Thanks, Heather and Nick. All right, so our passage for today is from John 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All you have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Resurrection City Church. Whether you are worshiping with us here in person or online, I want to uh, welcome you both equally, and I want to say we are very uh, thankful and excited to have you uh, with us, no matter where it is that you are with us from this morning. Um, again, we are very thankful for technology that allows us to um, have flexibility and options that kind of allows us to gather together as, as the people of God at Resurrection City Church in, in multiple different ways. So uh, thank you for being here. My name is Joel. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Resurrection City. If it's your first time uh, ever uh, coming to a Res City service or watching online, I just want to say a special welcome to you. Thanks for being with us this morning. Um, it is very uh, awesome to have you with us uh, here as well. Now, we've been in this uh, Devil's Advocate uh, mini-series in the book of John for the last few weeks, and we've been kind of talking about uh, different oppositions and, and different things. And today's topic, talking about um, shepherds and, 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 and leadership, uh, we're, we're talking about something that I think is actually super important. Um, and we, you know, we, we live in the, in the midst of a lot of unrest as a society right now, and I think one aspect of that that we don't often uh, talk about or address is sort of uh, the way leadership fits into this. 
um, and, and kind of how one of the things we're experiencing maybe as a society is kind of a crisis of leadership. Uh, the, the reason we have so much unrest is because people have maybe uh, been, been led or influenced in directions that lead to the sort of unrest that we're experiencing right now. Um, and we come up uh, across that uh, fully when we talk about the sort of biblical idea of sheep and shepherds. Now, f- if you're not familiar with sheep and shepherds, which I think most of us probably aren't, um, uh, this is a very common thing in Jesus' world. And so it was a, a, a metaphor used often in the Bible to sort of describe leaders uh, and the people that the leaders follow because it was a concept that everyone was pretty familiar with. Now, if you don't know a lot about sheep, sheep follow. That's kind of just what they do. They're not stupid. It doesn't mean that they're stupid because they follow, but, but it's what they do. They're, they're highly leadable. So if a few sheep do one thing, all the rest of the sheep are going to follow. If a few sheep panic, all the rest of the sheep are going to panic. If a few sheep uh, walk off a cliff, uh, it's a good bet the rest of the flock is going to follow the sheep off the cliff. It, it, that, that's a bigger concern for them uh, maybe than, than understanding what's going on a lot of times. And so uh, what sheep need is a good shepherd, a good leader, um, someone who is going to kind of lead them in places, who's going to kind of influence them that they'll follow to places that are good for them. And so a leader, kind of in this idea of of the shepherd mindset, is someone who influences or kind of guides towards some goal for the good of the sheep. That's what the Bible is talking about when we talk about leadership. And and we know from the Bible that God cares very much about leadership. Um, He doesn't have much patience for bad leadership because, like sheep, when people are following a bad leader they are going to be damaged. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to be led towards uh, uh, some, some bad end. And so God wants to make sure that there are the right type of leaders in place for his people and for people in general so that they flourish, that they have life. Now, quick side note, maybe you hear some of this stuff and maybe uh, you resent being compared to a sheep in some way. I know that's kind of like a a smear in our society today, like uh, sheeple. Have you ever heard that phrase before to describe like an idiot who just does whatever they're told? That's what's usually meant. And I just saw on on Instagram the other day, someone's uh, uh, Instagram bio just had the quote, lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. You know, so kind of the goal is to not be a sheep, but it's to be a lion, be someone who's out there taking control of your own destiny and not being told what to do by anyone else, carving your own path out, you know, I'm going to do me, that kind of mindset. That, that's what we celebrate and what we're directed towards in this culture. Now, if that's you, if that's your mindset, uh, I wonder if it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason that you think that is because you heard it from someone who you find influential and you thought that sounded pretty good and so now you're following that person in their sort of, uh, their sort of disgust about being led and really you're, you're kind of playing into it. That, that's kind of the irony of all this stuff, right? Even people who are, who are very firmly against being led are only, only feel that way because they've been led by something or someone in that direction. And so it just kind of goes to show that we are, that the the biblical idea of of comparing people to sheep is not necessarily wrong. We are highly influenceable, highly leadable, um, and and, and the things that we do, we often do because we pick them up from someone else, whether or not we realize it or not. 
Now, when, when we talk, if you're freaking out right now, if, if you're like, holy crap, uh, I've been living a lie here or something, um, I want to tell you that it's not a, that's not a bad thing, okay? Don't freak out over that. Don't, don't feel like, like it's a bad thing to realize that you are, you are able to be influenced and to be led, even when you don't realize it. It's not a bad thing. The, the truth is actually having a shepherd to sort of guide and give us true life is actually the design. That's what God wants. Um, he, 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 he desires for us to be led by shepherds who have, uh, or, or, or influencers or leaders who have it in uh, their interest, our interest, or the people they're leading, to sort of lead and guide them uh, towards life, towards flourishing. Okay, so, so he, he's hardwired it in there, but what, what, what that means then is that we need, to, uh, we need to be thoughtful about who we're allowing to influence or lead us. That's kind of what has to be, be our mindset. Are we being led by people who have our best interests in mind, who want to lead us and guide us towards life or towards uh, maybe some other end? Now, actually, in the Bible, um, this passage and then one other passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, kind of, kind of have this direct link towards one another and are sort of par- paradigmatic uh, when we talk about um, uh, shepherding and leadership in the Bible. And that, that other passage in the Old Testament comes from Ezekiel 34. And, and John uh, and Jesus here are drawing directly on that passage when they invoke the idea of, of, of Jesus as a shepherd, as the good shepherd who's come. So I want to read a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that passage to you here today. So Ezekiel 34, we'll, we'll start in verse 1, we'll read, uh, we'll kind of s- jump around here for the first uh, 16 verses, and I'm just going to mostly read it, but I want you to, to, to really pay attention to what the prophet Ezekiel is saying here, okay? He's directing his sort of critique against these bad shepherds that are leading Israel astray, and these are the, these are the leaders in Israel, they're other prophets, um, they're priests, they're kings, uh, they're influential people in the society who, who are leading God's people in ways that are causing Israel to be going off of a cliff. That's what's going on here in Ezekiel 34. So Ezekiel starts out in in verse 1, and he says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. So, so, so Ezekiel, or God through Ezekiel, is saying that these uh, bad shepherds uh, exploit the sheep for their own benefit. They use the sheep to get something out of the sheep for themselves, not for the sheep's benefit. Jumping to verse 5. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill, high hill. They were scattered over the whole church, and no one searched or looked for them. My flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for the flock, but cared for themselves rather than my flock. So what we see here is that when shepherds don't care about the flock, they're not the ones that suffer. Those shepherds are probably going to be fine. It's the sheep who will really pay the consequences of this poor leadership. 
Uh, maybe the shepherd decides to find a good picnic spot for himself or herself to hang out at, but it's not a great place for sheep to graze. So the sheep don't have anything to eat, and they end up going without food while the shepherd goes, you know, he has a nice nice uh, meal for himself. Or, or maybe um, they're, they're, they're led poorly, and they get scattered. They kind of run off because the shepherd's not paying attention, and sheep kind of wander off. Uh, and kind of get lost, and the sheep end up starving, or, or they get torn to shreds by wild animals that are kind of looking, looking for something to devour that the shepherd would normally be fighting off. Um, or they just get lost, they never get back to, to the flock in the, at all. That's kind of what, what the, the, the comparison here that's going on uh, in, for Ezekiel. Jumping to verse 10, God responds now to these bad shepherds by saying, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. So here's the good news. God is against these poor leaders for his people. He's going to do something about this. He continues on in verses 11 to 12 to say what he's, up, what he's going to be doing. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. So the good news, God is, recognizes what's going on here. He's going to do something about it. And even better news, instead of, instead of tr- trusting in some more shepherds who are going to ruin things, uh, God says, I myself am going to come. I'm going to be the one to come rescue you now. And, and all the bad things that have happened to you as a result of this bad leadership, I'm going to do something about that. Right? I'm going to bring about uh, some justice. I'm going to bring about some healing, some rescue, some restoration for these sheep who have been treated poorly and have suffered the consequences of it. This is what he says in verses 15 and 16. I myself will tend my sheep and will have them lie down, declares the Lord, sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So God will, he will nurture the sheep back to health. He will find them from where they've been scattered and bring them back together as a flock. He will lead them to food and to water for them to have. And he'll bring justice against maybe some of the sheep that were, uh, you know, messing around with the rest of the flock. He'll do something about those sheep who were current, who, who were in the past left to go out and, and do whatever they wanted to kind of harm the other sheep. God is going to come in. He's going to do something about those sheep. Where a bad shepherd not paying attention wouldn't have cared, God is going to show up and he's going to take care of his flock and make sure something is done. Now, like I said, we've been going through this sort of uh, mini-series in the book of John talking about oppositions to, to God's kingdom in Jesus coming to earth. And today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how uh, we can be led, we can be taken in, in bad ways by shepherds who are, or, or influencers or leaders who are, who are not out there to, to, uh, to lead us to life in God. Okay? Uh, we're going to be talking about how we should be discerning so that what we are led by can be, can be life for us. And we can, we can know how to discern that. So what I want to do is I want to talk about maybe some types of influential uh, uh, types of leaders or, or, or thought leaders or whatever, however you want to describe them in our society as a way of kind of talking about how uh, we can sometimes be led in places that do not necessarily lead to our life. Okay? Uh, I, I, and I've got four of those I'm going to talk about, and, and a couple notes on these before I, before I jump in, all right? Um, I, 
admit, I'm going to be stereotyping, I'm going to be generalizing here a little bit. Um, so, so, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. Not all who might fit into this sort of category are necessarily a bad leader, okay? But it, th- there's something about people who lead in this way or who have this type of platform that just means be discerning, okay? Think about what type of stuff is coming from these people. I'm not going to use examples, uh, but, or, or I think I have one example, but otherwise I'm not going to really use examples. Um, I want you to actually think for yourselves, okay? I want you to kind of think about what type of stuff is going in to these ty- types of platforms and, and be thinking about ways in which these types of platforms or leaders or people in these platforms might be leading you towards places that do not necessarily lead uh, towards life. Couple, another thing I want to note too is just, okay, we live in a society that really is like really adverse to leadership, right? We, we live in a society that has sort of, I think, rightfully recognized a lot of the ways in which those in authority have sort of failed, right? We, we're very aware of that as a society, and I think that's a good thing. But our response sometimes is to get rid of the notion of leadership or authority and say that itself is the problem, when I actually don't think that that's true. I think with the Bible, like we're talking about, very clearly has a role for good leaders and wants to do something about bad leaders, but doesn't think that the, the, the concept of authority is necessarily itself need to be thrown out the window. So I don't want to feed, feed into that mindset that we have today. All right, I, I, I want us instead to be discerning so that we can find leaders who will lead us towards life, okay? All right, so let's jump into them. The first, the first type of, of person that I'm just saying, be discerning when, when, you, when, you, when you are exposed to someone like this is, is the, actually the lifestyle influencer, right? There's kind of been an explosion of influencers in our society now over social media. And, and if 15 years ago, if you had told me that uh, someone could make a living off of posting pictures of themselves doing normal things like cooking or traveling or wearing clothes, standing next to a wall or something like that, and they could, they could live off of this, I would have said that is crazy. But that is the world we live in today, where, where you can make a living off of doing this stuff. I would have been very wrong, okay? And, and so we have this sort of whole industry that's dedicated towards, like, sh- people showing off their fantastic lives and, and kind of asking for our attention, and we hope that maybe their fantastic lifestyle uh, rubs off on us as we sort of uh, look at these people and follow them. Now, I'm not saying don't follow these people on your social media. I'm not saying there's not good stuff that can be found. But I just want you to think about what's going on when you're, like, you know, giving someone who's, like, you know, a quote-unquote influencer a huge amount of influence in your life. Just think about what's taking place here, all right? Um, there are all sorts of types of these, right? There are, there are young single travelers. There's fitness people. There's style influencers. There's... You know, there, there's, there's parenting ones, there's food and drink ones, there's even like cr- Christian lifestyle like influence out there. Like, it's like, hey, this is, you know, what it means to be a cool Christian or whatever, and, and, and you can kind of watch them live out the kingdom of God in a really cool way on their Instagram or something like that. This is a pretty normal thing. No. Okay, but th- think about what's going into to a lot of this stuff. Um, this is really driven by the marketplace. So you, people are posting stuff that kind of sells. They're posting stuff that uh, is popular, that, that gets attention, and they're not necessarily thinking about what, what is actually good. What is that, do I want to be influencing t- people towards that is actually going to be for their good? It's more about what gets attention. That's kind of the mindset with a lot of people. And so um, because of that, we sort of get trained to think in a way that is really kind of superficial. We start to think that um, the something is only really important if we can capture it in a picture and have a nice caption to go along with it. If it can't do that, 
we, it kind of loses in its importance, right? We don't think it has much value. If, if we really think that this is what it means to sort of have the good life in this area, we're thinking if we can't put it into a caption or a picture, then it might, must not have value. And that's not a good way to think about your interactions on a day-to-day basis. Uh, most of the important things you do, you know, in your life, you shouldn't be taking pictures of and showing everybody all the time maybe, right? Or, or that doesn't give it value. And because of all this, a lot of times influencers, when we really kind of dig into it, don't necessarily always have something of substance to say. Uh, I was reading an interesting article recently about how the pandemic is, one guy was wondering, like, is the pandemic going to really, like, harm, like, the influencing industry? Um, Because, like, influencers can't travel, they can't go eat, they can't go do all this sort of cool stuff, they're cooped up at home, and there's only so much cool stuff you can post about yourself when you're just at home all the time, right? You, you only get so much traction out of that. And he actually uh, linked to, to one influencer who in April um, posted a picture of himself standing uh, on a cliff looking over the ocean, and the caption was, uh, to be honest, I've sort of run out of things to say. But here's a photo showing I'm alive and healthy, and he had like a peace sign up like this. And it's just, it just kind of like is, is funny because it does kind of show in the midst of something really substantial like a pandemic, there's really not a whole lot that someone who this is like, this is like their job to influence you towards this stuff can say that has like substance in that. If, the most important, if that's the most important thing you can say, is, is it really worth having a substantial amount of influence on you? That's all I'm asking you to kind of consider, Okay. All right, second type uh, of sort of really important, big, big deal leaders in our society is what I want to call the political shepherd, okay? And I want to actually talk about this how, because the political shepherd, I think, has had an outsized influence on the church. I think we can probably all think of examples in which politics, you know, worldly American politics have, have sort of invaded the church and sort of hijacked the church in a lot of ways. And that's because of a lot of leaders who are, who I think what they do is they sort of confuse categories sometimes. They, they sort of uh, confuse the idea of Christian duty as meaning you support a certain political agenda or cause, okay? And, and sort of, and so like a lot of like the Christian life can kind of get wrapped up in who we vote for, what, you know, legal agendas that we get on board with, and we're kind of, we're kind of sold or told that what, like how we live out our faith, it, it looks very political, all right? And, and and I think the, the reason it, it, can, it, it makes sense is because, like, a lot of times politics does overlap with how we live our lives, right? So I don't want to say that, like, how we vote and, and how our government is structured and how, like, we engage with that is not important. It's actually incredibly, incredibly important. It's so important that actually here uh, in the fall before the election, we're going to spend several weeks talking about it. We're going to do a little series on sort of how do we as Christians engage well with politics because we think it's super important. But one of the things we can't do, and maybe this is a preview for the series, is, is sort of... Uh, let the categories get, get overly blended or, or sort of too, too concerned, right? Uh, w- too, too, uh, too concerned with what we might not think of as actually the kingdom of God. And in and, and Ephesians 6, 12, Paul, kinda, Paul actually kind of condemns this. He says, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. And, and the problem, I think, with how we view politics is 
we, we so often, people on, on both sides of this view it as this sort of existential like battle against the other side for like the soul of the, the country or something like that that has to be fought in this political battlefield and that's the only way it's going to be won. And we as Christians can get kind of confused to what the true sort of conflict in the world is when we start to think that, that what it looks like for us to sort of fight the battle of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, being, you know, be engaging in the conflict well, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into what that looks like today, but like engaging in the conflict well looks very political, okay? And, and we got to protect ourselves against that, all right? So, so, so that, that's another way I think we can be influenced in ways that are not leading us towards life because we're confusing categories. All right, third, third type, and this is I think related to the second, is sort of like the Twitter pundit I'm calling it. Um, Again, be discerning in what you hear me say. Lots of people use Twitter or social media to post all sorts of really good stuff, including preaching the gospel, all right, and sharing insightful ideas with others. But there is, mixed in with that, there are people who are using social media to kind of like wage a certain type of war almost, right? Um, and seeing themselves as sort of necessary, like righteous warriors, fighting on the side of good, you know, striking blows with their tweets or, or whatever they post to kind of sort of topple down the enemy um, and demanding like sort of absolute purity for us to live out. Um, and, and, and I think like that sort of warfare mentality and using uh, social media to sort of engage in this sort of, again, existential conflict with the bad guys, whoever they are, um, is, is a, is a it, we, don't, we should not be allowing ourselves to be influenced that way because what we're doing is we're sort of taking on this sort of simple worldview that's very black and white that thinks we can sum up everything in 280 characters or less, any, any sort of uh, issue that we might be dealing with in really simple, concise ways, and there's only one way to look at it, and if you don't look at it this way, then you're an idiot and you're, uh, you're evil and you need to be sort of destroyed or, 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 or shamed in some way, and, and there's no nuance, we, we have no empathy anymore. There's actually a lot of studies done at the ways in which social media leads us to have less empathy for one another. It's really interesting actually, but that's one of the ways social media influences us is because it kind of takes away our ability to empathize with people on the other side. I encourage you to maybe just Google that uh, at some point because, because it's kind of fascinating but also a little bit scary to realize the ways in which we are influenced by, uh, by, by social media. Um, we, we have no willingness to understand or love you know, the people who may disagree with us because of how these, these battles start to take place uh, on Instagram or, or, or Twitter or whatever. And, and, and so the, the people who kind of lead in this way, are influenced in this way, are leading us towards sort of a view of the world that I think is unhealthy. And because it's easy and simplistic, it's really tempting to sort of follow in that because it, it, looks, it seems simple. You don't have to think. You just have to be outraged at the other side. All right? Um, and so this shepherd, the person who kind of leads in this way, is not leading you towards life, but they're leading you towards uh, a vision of life that means life is found by tearing others down. And I don't think that that's healthy. I don't think that's how God intends us to find life or engage with, with, with those we disagree with. All right, now the last one I want to just point out today is, is the Christian leader, I think this is true in our society, but it's probably been true in every other uh, era of the church, is the Christian leader who only tells you what you want to hear. All right, so let me tell you, as a pastor, as someone who's been in ministry for a long time now, I mean, relatively long time, I'm only 31, but uh, like, 
the, the, the temptation to sort of tell people what they want to hear all the time so that they like you and they give you sort of uh, like adoration or whatever is intense. And, and I think some Christian leaders, and I for sure have, I for sure, like I'm not up here saying I've never done this before. I could definitely have, have fallen into this uh, kind of craving popularity or influence, ha- have, have tried to get it by telling people what I think they want to hear. All right, and, and sort of le- leading in that and telling people this is the gospel and it's not offensive maybe, it's not going to challenge you at all in any way, but actually it's just what you already believe and so now you like me, right? And there are a lot of leaders, especially Christian leaders, who are going to lead in this way. Now, l- let me tell you this, all right? Christian leaders' job is not to just make you feel good about yourself. All right? It's not to just take what you already think and sort of repackage it in gospel language and give it, and give it back to you again. All right? uh, you should find yourself challenged sometimes by Christian leaders. You should find yourself um, maybe even occasionally offended. Now, I'm not saying like Christian leaders should be trying to go and offend people. But if, if you find yourself challenged in some way by, by, by some Christian leader, you should pause and ask yourself, why am I challenged there? And, and maybe be thankful that they're willing to tell you some hard stuff from time to time. Now again, let me be really, really, really clear about what I'm saying here. I don't, I don't mean abusive. I don't mean manipulative. I don't mean offensive for offend, offending sake. All right, That's not at all what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is, is, is someone who just, you just like them because it seems like, wow, every time I hear them talk, they just seem to be telling me what I want to hear. All right, just, just be cautious. All right, Now, the, the, the problem of, of sort of bad leadership, of, of, of poor shepherding in Ezekiel 34, is answered in John 10. Notice I haven't talked about John 10 yet, but we actually find the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34 in John 10. And that comes in this uh, first point of application here, that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who has come to fulfill Ezekiel 34. This drama about God's people being led in, in bad ways by these, by these leaders, where he says, I myself am going to come back. I myself am going to come and care for my sheep to bring them back from where they've been scattered to, to sort of care for them, to love them. Jesus, when he comes and when he says, I am the good shepherd, he is saying, I am God come to fulfill Ezekiel 34. I am God come to take my people who've been scattered, who have been uh, marginalized, who've been led towards uh, uh, places that do not bring life and to lead them into that, to care for them, to love them. And the great uh, fulfillment of that drama uh, we find here in John 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this idea of Jesus as the good shepherd is not maybe one that you've never heard before, right? Uh, maybe, you, maybe you do have some idea of what this looks like. And I want to tell you that Jesus being the good shepherd is not this, all right? It is not Jesus, uh, you know, this very white guy Jesus holding a little lamb uh, like he's, you know, like his new puppy that he just got and, and then posting Instagram pictures of it or something, right? Which, this is what these look like. It's crazy, right? I mean, how many of us have not seen people on Instagram posting stuff like this. This is not what it means for Jesus to be our shepherd, okay? This is not what shepherding is. Shepherds, okay, if I were an owner of a sheep, I would not want to hire someone who's going to sit around and snuggle with my sheep all day, 
okay? That just is probably not what you're looking for in a shepherd, okay? I would want to put someone who is smart, someone who, who uh, could convince maybe scared sheep uh, to sort of follow them, who could be tender and gentle with them, but also uh, sort, of, sort of come in and lead them in a strong way, um, who could fight off attackers, who could kind of keep wild animals or robbers from coming in and sort of uh, sifting the flock, uh, who is wor- willing to work long, tiring hours, who is willing to be outside in the elements, whether it's uh, 100 degrees or 30 degrees and snowing. That, that person is going to be outside with those sheep. Someone who is noble. That's actually what good means here, is noble. A noble leader of these sheep. And above all, someone who, who knows these sheep, who understands them. And that's what uh, Jesus says here. I, I, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That's why I'm the good shepherd. And, and the reason that he, he's, so like, let's put this in context too here. Let's understand what the comparison is. When he says, I know my sheep, he, he's talking about a really intimate knowledge of his sheep. Because the way that he compares that or the picture he gives to that knowing is the sort of knowing that he has with the father. Where he says, I know the Father, I, I am so connected to the Father, that, and this type of knowing is the knowing that I have of my sheep, okay? And, and he knows what they need. He has this intimacy, this understanding of the sheep, which is what makes him the good shepherd. And the other thing we see here is is the end of verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. We see a sort of care for the sheep, where instead of asking the sheep to lay their lives down for him... He lays down his life for the good of the sheep. He's willing to give himself up for the good, for the flourishing, for the life of the sheep instead of the other way around. And this is, this is what uh, makes Jesus the good shepherd. Okay, so Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who leads and guides us to life. That is the big point of today's sermon. All right, In a world where, where, where there is you know, bad leadership. In a world where that has been true for centuries, Jesus is the one who comes to lead and to guide us towards life. And we should find uh, life in him fully. Now, of course, of course, we follow other people too. We, we follow other people who are going to lead and, and sort of guide us. And, 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 and certainly this list extends out uh, beyond just um, like, like pastors and leaders. I'm going to talk about them here in just a second. But before I do, I, I do want to say like we should be influenced by lots of people in our lives, by family members, by, by friends who we trust, who we have seen, who care for us, who want to lead us towards life, um, by people on Twitter, by influencers, by people who are political leaders, all these things that I just talked about a little ago, there are people who are going to lead us towards life within that, all right? So, so don't neglect finding good influence. Just be discerning as you think about what that looks like. Okay, so, so that, that's kind of my, my caveat here before I get into like more specific types of shepherds and leaders. But the Bible actually, the word pastor, I don't know if you guys knew this, the word pastor which shows up in the Bible actually literally just means shepherd. Okay, so, so describing sort of the role of pastors in the church, uh, the, the, the New Testament authors, while they talk about Jesus as the good shepherd, they're also talking about these sort of under shepherds who kind of lead, who kind of lead in, in the stead of their chief uh, shepherd. And so the second point of application today is that a good under shepherd, someone who is going to lead well in the way that uh, the good shepherd leads, points you back to the good shepherd 
not to themselves. Because Jesus is himself the good shepherd come to care for us, people who are going to point you to him are the types of leaders, the types of influencers that you want to find in your life. Uh, the, you can think of it like, like good, good pastors are like, you know, you got the chief shepherd and then he's got a staff underneath him of people who are sort of helping him out. Good shepherds are the staff who are following the directions of the leader and are kind of trying to lead the sheep in that way. Now, here's the thing about pastors, and I'm speaking of myself and Julie here. Good shepherds are, there, there's nothing special about us, okay? The, the focus, the attention should not ever be on us. We are a dime a dozen. From, from the pastor of a church of 10,000 people to the pastor of a church of 25 people. There's nothing special about us. There's nothing about us that, uh, that, that we should be saying, hey, we're the ones that you should be following. Okay? And you should want it that way. We should want it that way. The, our job is to point you to the good shepherd. Now, yes, we make decisions, we make calls, we, have, we pray to, for wisdom, we, we're looking to make good decisions, we, we need skills in various areas, um, and, 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 and inevitably, you're going to imitate good leaders, right? That, that's, that's part of it, you know, but, 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 but pay attention to where that shepherd is leading you. Pay attention to how they're using those skills. Are they using it to make it about themselves, or are they using it to, to lead you to the good shepherd, Okay, that is what you should be looking for as you, you, you look for, you know, what types of under-shepherds to be influencing you, specifically in the church, specifically in pastors. As soon as leaders start to make it all about them, you should, you should start running. And so I give you permission, actually, if, if Julie and I ever start to make Res City all about us, right, if you start to see signs for the church and it's got my face on it like this or something like that, I give you permission to go find another church, okay? I actually would want you to. Do not enable or my ego, or something, if I start to make it all about myself. I'm actually being honest about that. I want, you can call me on that if you feel like I'm ever doing that, or Julie's ever doing that. We want you to sort, of, uh, to sort of help us to help lead you towards the good shepherd, all right? That is our job. That is our goal, because we know that real life is found not in us, but in the good shepherd, in the one who has come to bring his people back together again. All right, so that is, that, that is our sermon. I'm going to pray to close, and then we're going to have a time of, of reflection and worship to, to end here. Lord, we thank you that in a world where, um, in a world that, that is experiencing maybe a crisis of leadership, a, a crisis of, of bad influences that, that lead us towards, uh, towards not life, that we can rest assured that even though that has been the norm throughout human history, that you have not left us on our own. You have not left us to, uh, uh, to, to pay the consequences of that, but you have come yourself to lead and to guide and to shepherd and to love us. And, and Lord, I pray that we would, um, we would seek that out, Lord, and yet we would be found by you. We would be known by you as you come to love and to lead us as the good shepherd, God. We pray all this in the name of that good shepherd, Jesus. Amen.